What's up, everybody? Welcome back to After Dragons. My name is Rob, and this is the cool down for New Comic Book Day, December 2nd, 2020. How was the key quest? Did you get all your books? Did you have Daredevil 25 ordered? That seems to be the, the hotness this week. Uh, so let's go over some of the news, and then um, I'll review my stack and talk about the reading and uh, see what we get into. Um, yeah, Daredevil 25. I'm not... I'm not a Daredevil fan or haven't been reading his run, but the books have skyrocketed in in price overnight um, due to, spoiler alert, I don't know if you don't know or you haven't seen, uh, Elektra has a Daredevil-esque appearance, Daredevilette uh, type um, costume, and Daredevil is uh, behind bars, imprisoned, I think, for... Uh, some kind of being implicated or actually committing some kind of murder. Uh, so that uh, that appearance, I think, really led to a, uh, a commotion there, for sure. As Marvel announced a second printing here with uh, FOCs by December 14th, I think. So that's coming around the corner. Talk to your retailer to try and get um, one of those copies if they come through. Uh, but yeah, it, it went up fast, man. That, an issue is almost a hundred dollars at this point. Uh, by the time I made it to the shop, there was one one in twenty-five left, and it was about one hundred and fifty, one hundred and eighty by then. So it's uh, it's wild to see what some of those sets will really do, what some of the stories can turn around. So uh, for those of you who've been reading Daredevil from the beginning, uh, in enjoying it, that's great. Uh, Baskin making the right choice there. There's so many titles, right? Um, next bit of news here with. The last Ronin uh, being the or the first print, the f- number one second print, I should say, of the last Ronin uh, was delayed to December 9th. So there's a massive print run for this. They received 37,000 pre-orders, uh, and so they're doing about a 50,000 print run. That is IDW's biggest print run in their history. Um, so that's pretty wild, and it's crazy to see what the uh, the demand really did for that book and as they try to print to handle any allocation issues that may come down the road I am planning to grab that second print uh, to see what's going on with the last Ronin uh, so we'll talk about that on the show and, and see kind of which turtle is the last right so I'm sure some of you guys were looking forward to that one this week as well um, I haven't been reading a lot of the turtles I did read the 100 and I think 101 issues um just as a one-offs, but uh, it'll be cool to read that Ronin series and see a little bit of a different perspective or um, a different element there. And before getting to the stack here, uh, I did want to talk a little bit about X of Swords or Ten of Swords, rather. Uh, I'm not certain if it's one over the other or if you, you could say them both. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't excellent the whole way. But it ended with a bang, right? It was it, and it built up very nicely. I'd say the first half uh, was really chugging along and building up some goodness up until the the dinner, um, the the multiple dinners, I should say, and the kind of far future alternate world. I don't know. I it's it's all pretty cool, and 
um, and wild to see how it connected. But they did lose me for a little bit there in that kind of, I don't know, maybe that third quarter of the of the series. Uh, I did. Th- I do think it wrapped up really nicely, though. Pretty crazy to see Apocalypse making the ultimate sacrifice for Arako and uh, and Amanth, and uh, you know, and seeing the, the the connections there between everything and a little bit more of the world building that Hickman's done, and all the other writers there in the in the uh, writing house there for Marvel have have really put together. Um, I think the story's pretty sweet. I know. I don't know if others are on board with House of X, Powers of X. This uh, this new relaunch of the X-Men story, but um, they've they've got me for sure, and I'm, I've been reading along. Uh, it'll be cool to see here now that uh, now that X of Swords is over, um, and, and I, maybe even the dawn of uh, X is over, it's what's called the reign of X, which is what was teased recently, uh, leading to kind of the next arc of stories within all of these various X-Books. Um, so we got X-Men, X-Force, uh, X Factor. They don't all start with X. Uh, let me let me think if there are any others though that do. Nope. Uh, New Mutants and um, Marauders and Hellions, uh, with a few others coming that are going to kind of spearhead this next arc. Uh, in particular, Sword and I should say Cable is on the list there too. But Sword is um, an acronym. I'm not certain what it stands for. It's it's a um, it's going to be a more sci-fi or sp- um, kind of far-reaching story with Cable and some of the other X-Men there um, outside of the of the world there and maybe outside of the whole Null storyline going. Uh, so that'll be cool to see it evolve and also to see something else. I do think while Ten of Swords, X of Swords was, I think, great overall, um, it, the 22-issue length really detracted from some of the storylines that had been built before the uh, main event started. So it'll be cool to see them get back to their bread and butter right let these stories focus on their own characters um now that the event is coming past uh right now that everyone's having uh king and black mania uh so yeah let's um speaking of king and black mania let's dive into the stack here for the week um quite a bit here and uh due to the books arriving late and then me forgetting my wallet i made multiple journeys to the comic shop but uh, was rewarded here um, justly, I'd say, as I was able to get a super log variant of King in Black, the 1 in 25. Um, so that 1 in 25 was what we mentioned on the pregame again, and it was uh, uh, Null is kind of blacked out with this red outline and like eight extra arms with mouths on his like knees and coming out of the ground, just kind of walking out of the cover. Um, just looking badass with um, with the Necro Sword there. Uh, also grabbed the A cover, of course. I've been learning. Always grab the A cover. Um, it's awesome. It's got a good uh, smattering of characters right there with Null smiling proudly in the top left. Uh, Cyclops kind of and Wolverine down in the bottom with the X-Men presence. Uh, Venom, Hulk, Captain America, and Spider-Man all. Oh, I should say Iron Man as well. Uh, make a cover appearance there for King and Black 1. I also grabbed the Momoko cover. Uh, this is my second Momoko cover in the collection. Uh, not a huge fan of this one um, compared to the two other covers now, the A and the Superlog, 
but it is a, one of the better Momoko covers, I think, and it's good to have a, a small collection of those. I think my other was X-Men 12 or the Solemn uh, uh, cover. That's uh, pretty cool with that swirled up dragon. Uh, next on the list here, and honestly, uh, I guess first let's let's discuss a little bit of King in Black. I don't want to go into it too much because I haven't been reading the full Venom run leading up to this. So I'm waiting for a few reprints to get the arc right before this. Um, and then we'll talk about it a little bit further. But basically, uh, it opens with a bang. Null is here, man. He's here and he's and he is badass. Um, bring in the pain with all the symbiotes. Uh, the Avengers go into kind of emergency action. They need to call the X-Men after sort of a, f um, a failed attempt of Tony Stark's at stopping Null's uh, dragon army from invading the, the planet. Um, so they had to call in the X-Men, um, dealing with that, uh, while Venom himself attempts to sort of reroute the, the symbiotes and kind of stop things in, it, in their tracks. Um, and speaking of that, uh, Sentry... Um, Old Bob himself met a gruesome end uh, with Null there, oh, basically ripping him in half. And as the Avengers realize they're up against something a little bit more than they uh, than they're ready for, uh, all around um, an awesome opener, I think, for the event. I'll definitely be reading the way through. I'm not reading all the tie-ins. Uh, maybe a few for Immortal Hulk, or if there are any um, sort of X-Men related ones, but. Uh, or I guess I am reading Black Cat, which is going to be tied in. Um, but other than that, I think it'll be a great read and cool to see it all coming together. You can tell uh, there's been a lot put into it. Um, the kind of reveal with Noel um, uh, landing on the planet and just kind of looking at the Avengers like, now who, who might you be? Is uh, It's pretty good. Pretty good stuff there for sure. Um, he's got a good sense of humor about him, uh, Mr. Sinister-esque kind of um, kind of character. And speaking of Mr. Sinister, we got a cover with Sinister this week. Um, one of my favorite villains. Always looking for um, cover appearances there. And Hellions number seven by Zeb Wells with a Segovia on art and cover. I think with the cover was oh this was Segovia. Yep, I know there was Kiri. Curiel is a part of the project as well. But Hellion 7 picks up after the wild Hellion 6, uh, where Sinister's crew had been sent in to basically steal the swords before the event really gets started. Uh, we sort of learn it was a ruse that uh, was ultimately designed to um, kind of get Sinister's team to cross paths with the Locust file and allow him to gather his uh, or gather samples from their um, mutant lineage. Uh, and after that, kind of all hell broke loose in issue six. And um, basically the the surviving, the last survivors of the team after mo many of them die, uh, Havoc, uh, Orphan Maker, Nanny, Wild Child, uh, Grey Crow, and Psylocke. So a few, a few of them die. Three die in Arako, and the rest come out of the portal there in Krakoa. And Sinister is waiting for them and just finishes them off brutally. Uh, <laughs> it's the Sinister twist we've been waiting for since they kind of uh, brought him into the Quiet Council. I think you knew it wasn't going to work out too well or something would happen. 
so that's cool to see that evolving. And uh, in the opening pages of this number seven, Sinister's just begging for his team to be reunited, even though the uh, even though Professor X and the and the five or what have you are have already begun to resurrect them. Um, Emma and, and the Quiet Council are just raking him over the coals, making him suffer. Uh, it, it, all around, it was a it was a really awesome issue. They they do revive the whole team. Um, Nanny and Wildchild come back kind of weird though. They're like juiced up, uh, you know, like like angrier now. Like Wildchild, uh, you know, they they've got a vengeance about them. And we learn that they weren't able to completely bring back Orphan Maker, whose name is Peter. Um, he's like he's like perpetually like a child in some kind of giant super armor suit with nanny always following him who's this lady in an egg suit it's a it's a it's a stretch there but it's a it's a wild character pairing and um i I don't know when they were properly introduced to the canon here but apparently nanny has a ship that also has uh is shaped like an egg that sinister also pokes fun of that it has legs and kind of says she was just throwing crap at a wall to make that um but uh, on the ship, she basically make his, made his armor, and the Orphan Maker armor prevents Peter's X-Gene from really um, uh, manifesting or from uh, uh, maturing. And uh, there's an interesting panel where Professor X is like, you know, I believe all these X-Genes are blessings and such, but uh, not Peter's. His X-Gene is a curse. It's like, oh man, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, the Hellions have been resurrected and redirected they don't care too much that nanny and wild child are uh uh a little bit uh um a little bit crazy because they're just sending them on a a wild task they're gonna break into this ship to get some armor back for orphan maker uh, because they cannot have his x-gene activate and um uh, they plan to resurrect him so they arrive there and come face to face with a dude I believe his name was Cameron Hodge I don't know the story there maybe I should um, but I'm still catching up on some of the older X-Men so I'll, I'll find out here before the next time and we'll talk about Cameron Hodge I think and the and the relationship there a final note on Hellion 7 we see a little bit of Psylocke's um, kind of uh, inner workings with Sinister. They've they've got an arrangement where she really she's really been his his right hand dude, you know, his right hand lady, and um, uh, she's calling the shots, but she also supports what he says, which is kind of rare for uh, some a man of his caliber, we should say, right? A man of so many capes. Uh, but we learn that he's he's through some kind of genetic um, machinery brought back. The child of Psylocke of Quanon, I believe, um, who was, I don't know, either like consumed by Apoth or or had a run in with Apoth early in in Fallen Angels and uh, uh, in the like, kind of six issue series there. So I need to go back and reread that a little bit in, on the Apoth stuff. But it was awesome to see the storylines kind of circling back there and and um adding some contacts context to the uh um you know the the lore and the stories at at large as apoth is presented as uh, quite a threat and 
<laughs> Continuing the poor segues, speaking of quite a threat, uh, honestly, while the Hellions 7 was great, and Hellions in general, Zeb Wells is doing wonderful things with it, and Sinister, um, MODOK number one, or MODOK Head Games number one came out this week, and I've been waiting for a long time for this. Um, it's written by uh, Jordan Bloom and Patton Oswalt, um, and it kind of sets the stage or maybe it's intending to set the stage for um, for the Modoc Hulu, Disney Plus, wherever is hosting it, kind of live action show thing that was canceled, but it's not, and it's coming up still. Uh, I don't know the whole shtick behind it anymore, and honestly, I don't know if I'm excited for it after seeing the previews, that they took a little bit of a family guy approach with Modoc, but... Um, the more I read his back issues and more of his timeline, he has traditionally been completely screwed by AIM um, almost every time. I mean, he is the way he is because of AIM. So he's, this issue falls in line nicely and opens up with him just kind of daydreaming about this sort of uh, like nice house or something, like just kind of passively daydreaming about this family and house that he has somewhere and you realize that uh he's just he's on like a some kind of attack or strike mission with monica oh man the pronunciation there of her last name repinci rapacini with uh so he's with her right and kind of losing his train of thought and uh war machine stops them there and they have to abort the mission so they're back on the board and and modok is uh you know, basically being put on the spot by Scientist Supreme and Monica, um, saying that uh, you know you you f this mission up, man. And when they finally give him some time to speak, it's pretty funny. He's just like, "Hey, during the time that we've been having this conversation, I created all these shell companies. They bought thousands of shares, and um, you know, with those shares, I did X and Y." And he's like, he's like basically exploded all these computers, bought shares of the rival company, and like made aim just the same amount of money that they lost um uh in 15 minutes so it's pretty funny classic modok showing off his uh his skills but but he's having some trouble right um he's he's still having these kind of flashbacks or these odd views you even get the i i don't know first appearance or first glimpse of that family that's going to be in the new show right the little modok uh, daughter Modoc, and he's got a son and a wife who are um, unmodocked, you should say, <laughs> I guess you could say. Uh, so it's pretty cool there, and the scientist supreme in here, I couldn't help but notice, really matches the um, Marvel Legends scientist supreme coming up soon. So that'll be cool to add him to my Modoc display. There's some great full pages in here of Modoc just losing his mind. Um, just attacking and doing what he was designed to do, right? To kill and kill. The issue ends with him going and um, sort, of, sort of admitting defeat to Iron Man and saying, you know, there's, a, there's an issue here uh, after AIM has ousted him from the, from the company. Next up in the stack here, we'll keep it, keep it Marvel-based for now with, uh, with Savage Avengers. Uh, this is Savage Avengers number 15 by Jerry Dugan. Um, awesome stuff here. I, lo I love this team. I, I haven't read a lot of the Avengers, but the, they've got the the most brutal characters here all working together towards something. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty good, and there's 
there's always some uh, some laughs and some savagery to be had as Kulan Goth, the Conan rival, is really the main villain. Um, and they've got a slight rotating wheelhouse of characters to pull from that uh, really keeps the story moving. This issue was awesome. Um, they brought back Punisher and he, they split the team up to try to accomplish this mission with a two-prong attack. And um, they go for... Uh, they go for the gold and need to uncover this uh, location and take out this Moon Knight, basically. And they just uh, uh, take kick ass and take names the whole way through. Um, at, at one point, even Wolverine has the uh, the leader of the clan, and like they run him through a wood chipper. It is just, it's crazy, man. It's it's definitely savage, and. Uh, uh, all together, it's a great team, and uh, I look forward to seeing what Dugan is going to do uh, with the rest of the series. I hope it continues, because I just think it's it's cool to see Conan with everybody, and then it's such an odd cast that's kind of united together here. There's been a string of variant covers that are uh, pretty sweet for this. Um, I, th this week, I just got the A cover, but I think coming up, there's another B that I'll have to get. Uh, so... Moving on from that, we've got The Union, number one, um, right, for Queen and Country. Uh, awesome cover combo with R.B. Silva and Kiriel working together. Uh, we learned the whole lineup of The the Union, um, and it it's uh, it's pretty sweet, I guess. they All the characters are kind of have a different feel to them. In the beginning, it had sort of a Suicide Squad kind of feel, but they're not... You know they're not like forced into this. They're representing the uh, the different countries, the different um, areas there under uh, under the Union Jack, I should say. Right? They got Britannia and um, the uh, Let's see. Let me read them off here. We got um, the Union Jack and Britannia. Then the Choir. Kelpie and snakes that kind of make up the full team. Um, the Union Jack's just a dude in a suit with uh, some athletic ability, just kind of risking it all uh, for his country, that kind of thing. Um, Britannia's got some some more more serious powers, from what I can tell. I don't know what though. She could fly around and at one point puts up quite a fight, uh, but uh, definitely has an issue here towards the end of the end of the issue um the choir has some sort of ability to like create sound or like control people by i don't know by sound or like kind of screeching or something and then kelpie has like a, a super control of water so she kind of turns just like a basically like a spilled water bottle becomes a uh um a, a serious weapon or like several daggers and then there's this giant hooded dude called Snakes um, that make up the full union. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's, I think it is like one of Noel's dragons that comes and um, basically wrecks Britannia, just puts an end to it all, all this grand old celebration. And uh, Noel's soldiers arrive and it's just like, dude, we're not playing games. And the Union is not happy about Britannia's uh, state, um, so that was a cool read for sure. I wasn't, I I wasn't too sure I was gonna follow up on this one, and I'm, I still don't know. I might read the solicit on 
on two and three to see where it goes. But I'm happy to have the number one in the collection with Britannia, Snakes, Kelpie Choir, Union Jack all coming together against this null threat. Um, one of the reasons why I may not read it further is just uh, avoiding some of the extra kind of line-wide tie-in books. Let's see, on the Marvel roster, one more for the week, and that would be Thor number 10. Um, Thor's another one, kind of like Daredevil, and I guess as we'll learn, like many of them, I've not really read their their backlog, right? I don't know a lot of the story and villains of how they're, they are by themselves. I've seen a little bit of Thor from the Avengers and kind of some side stories of Asgardian stuff. Um, I do like the Volstag character, and I was happy to find out Volstag was in number 10. I started this run on number 9 after seeing the success that the Thor line is having here. Um, the early issues did, at least, and I want to jump on the train. So number nine was cool. Uh, we learned about Donald Blake. Um, this this other guy, this like normal guy that like switches places with Thor, um, and has a staff that he can he used to become Thor. And like when he's not here, there's Thor, and this guy is like in the center of the Yggdrasil or or something, like walking in this like perfect suburbia just living a life and when thor gets tired of like you know the the woes of being thor um he can escape away to this place and donald blake will take his place that kind of thing but uh in issue nine he goes there and um he like finally decides to do this again and like bring donald blake out for a while he'd basically take a break from reality and he arrives in this like suburbia and uh it's a mess man there's like like everyone is everything is dead and there's like blood on the all of the roofs and the sun is cast red and it just looks like a hell basically and we learned that donald blake was going crazy in there he's going mad right when he gets to the re to reality and thor's place he just snaps that staff that he was going to use to uh uh to uh you know trade places basically and uh in 10 he starts just wreaking havoc uh, right away, um, Sif, Volstag, and team all have to um, uh, go at it there and, and try and stop him. But he he dismantles him though. Uh, it's it's wild, and uh, he kind of takes control. Um, definitely, no one saw it coming. And Thor finds out that um, basically that uh, there's no way back. You know, because he realizes something is wrong or is early and um we see on the last few pages that um donald blake is heading for jane foster um, as having been a, a surgeon in the past it was kind of cool one of the things that he did um in the, one of the fights uh with volstag and sif uh, she was kind of getting the best of him there or or t or taking her attacks and he took like a surgical kind of strike almost instead of something strong or crafty and just like with a very small blade like cut a muscle or something in her hand uh, so he's a he's a vicious dude and it'll be cool to see this arc evolve and just kind of see what thor becomes as well i mean i just um not too familiar with the the lineup of villains that are thor specific other than loki right that kind of thing so that does it for marvel and we'll go over over the fence to the other the other house with DC, quick week for them with Batman 104, 
as my only pull. I uh, got the A cover. Oh, I just need to go back and say, for Thor, I did get the B cover, the Ken Lashley variant, the nullified Thor. He's holding this Molnir that's like completely lightninged out and just covered at the symbiote, um, looking vicious. It's a great cover all around. Um, I think I can even see some influence um, in some of the Spawn that Ken was drawing um, a while back. He did a few issues of Spawn, and this Thor is like, He's got quite the cape, right? Um, so that was that was a sweet cover. Definitely recommend jumping into that. All right, back to DC, right? Batman 104, the Ghostmaker arc. Clown Hunter is up to no good in the city. Uh, Harley's kind of a good guy now um, and working with Batman. And uh, in 103, Ghostmaker bested the whole trio of them. And he takes him to Arkham and kind of locks him up. Um, along the way, we learn a little bit of the history between Batman and Ghostmaker. Um, basically, along the the path of crime fighting that Batman has taken um, before he really got to Gotham and established his his persona here, he, he like traveled the world and learned a lot of things. Obviously, how to fight crime and do all that he does. Um, Ghostmaker's someone from back then and we learn that it's actually one of his friends there's like kind of a poignant moment where he's just like missing his friend rather uh, than wanting to deal with kind of the conflict of Ghostmaker um, but he he's left in an interesting situation with Clown Hunter and um, and Harley there with him in a room they've been kind of locked up um, Clown Hunter has been left unlocked which is uh some kind of test or something that uh, Ghostmaker has set up with Batman and Harley locked up and Clown Hunter unlocked. Um, trying to prove a point, right? Because Ghostmaker's all about saying that um, Batman shouldn't be doing all of this for the, with a vengeance. He should be doing this kind of for the art of it and for more, more artistic purposes, right? Or more moral purposes. Not because he's all pissed off about his family and the, the way things have been, that kind of thing. Uh, so he blames Batman for kind of this disease that causes people like Clown Hunter, these like vigilantes that want to like go and like impress themselves upon the world, that kind of thing. Um, so it's kind of cool to see that, and he leaves Batman tied up, um, and Clown Hunter untied. So Clown Hunter immediately gets up, realizes it, and goes for a, a katana because they're all alone there, and basically uh, holds it over Harley, you know, about to kill her. Because Harley was there the night the Joker killed Clown Hunter's family, so there's a lot of like mirror um, kind of relationships between Clown Hunter and Batman, and how they've become vigilantes and stuff. And um, uh, I think that it'll be a cool moment here in the next issue because Bats is going to have to talk him out of it, I think, or something is going to happen. Um, we'll see, though. It's uh, it definitely leaves it at a cliffhanger. Um, and having, you know, just jumped into this at the 100-issue mark, I didn't read um, too much. I'm not familiar with the characters, so I might have missed some nuances. But all in all, in all it was a good book. Um, swift read and um, a lot of teasers for that future state coming around the corner. So looking forward to that. Um, I did want to point out there was one particularly funny panel here when they wake up. Um, I think it's... It's like right when they wake up in Arkham and they had been drugged essentially and Clown Hunter's 
still a teenager you know he's a young guy and he wakes up and he's just like am i drunk is this what it feels like and harley's waking up too and she's and she's just like uh you're not one of them popular teenagers are you <laughs> yeah she continues with uh you know you're drugged you know put to sleep with a nice chemical some people pay good money for it uh so it's kind of funny quip um uh, timely so is maybe her last words with clown hunter holding that katana over so batman 104 is going well I'm pulling all the way to the end of the arc as well as the annual. I don't think we really know what's going to happen once Future State wraps up. Uh, you know, there may be, there may be more. There may be that new Batman or the Dark Detective or whatever the whole new thing is. So that's it for DC. Um, we've got one on the Dynamite side with Red Sonia number twenty-two, um, a pretty cool white Linzer cover with kind of a marble. Uh, building with a sketched out Sonya on front of it. Um, this Red Sonya run has been the, my first, um, written by Mark Russell, uh, and it's uh, it's been a really cool adventure of just classic Hyborian kind of ad, um, uh, adventure and and plight. Uh, so Red Sonya is always trying to survive, but constantly up against the the dangers of the lands there and also just kind of the the whims of these tyrants and emperors that seem to rule all the cities uh so it's pretty cool uh story has been unfolding there um the emperor in this story this kid cyril was locked away for a while and like learned magic from a dude and uh yeah and redstone is up against that at the moment and he's basically got her locked in the castle and it's just like you know i see you've killed a lot of these people but um, you know, we've got you surrounded and I'll just lock the door and sit here and you'll just kill them all. It's okay. Sooner or later you'll fall. Uh, he's just kind of watching, going to sit there and watch. Uh, so he's, uh, definitely like a, a, a little nuisance and, um, Red Sonya has her hands full there. Uh, that's been a really cool run to see, um, what such an established character is all about. Um, Red Sonya is a character I had seen a lot, um, but I just didn't know, you know, um, it's kind of along those lines coming up here uh dan abnett will be writing the uh, vampirella dark powers and red sonia superpowers um and i really do enjoy everything dan abnett writes and have been a huge fan since he wrote gaunt's ghosts and the uh other warhammer 40k novels um, um back in the day when i was in high school and junior high there I love that dude's writing and can't wait to read uh his takes on both red sonia and Vampirella, which will be my first dive into that uh, Lady of Dynamites um, uh, trilogy, uh, trio, I should say, with Red Sonia, Deja Thoris, and Vampirella. Um, next publisher uh, is... And I picked up Knock'em Dead by Elliot Rahal. Um, it, it was great. Um, it was a definitely a different kind of book. Uh, not a superhero one, not a horror one per se. Um, but actually a comic about comics, um, stand-up comedy. Uh, Prior Bryce is a unsuccessful comic, uh, but only unsuccessful because he's new at it. But we see him kind of plying the trade and just failing, you know, bombing set after set. Um, and finally he gets a laugh from a dude and the guy's like driving him home and ranting about how comics have to try so hard, perform just to be somebody, but they're performing for all these nobodies. Uh, they get into a wreck, and uh, um, long story short, Prior Bryce survives, but he has no heartbeat. He's like an undead 
comic now. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know how that's going to unfold or how if stand-up comedy will continue to be part of it. But the the issue two looks pretty cool with the dude wearing like the clown nose and glasses sitting there. Um, it's it's sure to be a very interesting read. Um, Aftershock has been putting out some awesome books lately uh, with We Live on the list and Scout's Honor coming up in January that I'm looking forward to. Um, next publisher on the list that I have not read before this week was AWA, Arter, Artists, Writers, and Artisans, or Artists, Writers, Artists. I think it's Arters, writer, Artists, Writers, Artisans, AWA Upshot. Um, and this title is called Erratic by Kara Andrews. And uh, I mentioned it on the pregame uh, episode here for the week. I grabbed cover A and B. There was a trade exclusive or some kind of retailer exclusive variant that's really cool. Um, probably better than both of these. But I, I did not locate it. So I've got A and the B, which is the uh, Diodato Jr., um, variant and he's got erratic and sort of a Spider-Man classic 300 style pose um, the book was good Oliver's new kid to the city he's trying to make his way through the school and kind of learn the learn the ropes that kind of thing um, he he definitely finds a lady friend or a, a lady friend that he's crushing on early and uh, trying to make an impression there he's a pretty nerdy kid um, at one point, he even mentions the um, the Gulag Archipelago by like Scholzenstein, um, and I, I don't think I s said that last name right. But that's a that's a deep reference for a little dude. Um, so he's you know he's a well-read guy, and um, he's basically kind of trying to get home and runs into his crush, who's out walking her dog, and some kind of monster or creature attacks them, and he has to sort of activate these powers that he has. Um, and those are powers to become this dude erratic with like this power to control electricity or some kind of electrical touch um, for 10 minutes every day. Uh, so it becomes a sort of night crawler, Spider-Man, storm hybrid dude. I don't know. It's hard. To, you can't describe him with X-Men, right? He's his own thing. I'll definitely be reading the rest of the story here. This was one of five. Um, we learned that Oliver is one of the reborn and his lady, Kristen, I believe is her name, um, caught the whole thing on camera. So she's about to share that and I think turn things upside down for Oliver. Uh, I don't know how that's going to turn out for them, but um, uh, it's a cool book. And uh, the next one from AWA that I'm planning to pick up is Bite, um, or is it maybe it's Bite Sized, um, but that's the one by Colin Bunn that's coming out uh, the end of December. Uh, final cover, um, final issue of the week was a mostly cover and IP buy uh, from Dark Horse Comics and Blizzard Entertainment, uh, Overwatch, Tracer, London Calling, issue one. Um, the cover has Tracer from Overwatch uh, sort of jamming out to um, a vinyl collection. So there's a record player and all these crates behind her and she's got the headphones on. Um, kind of rocking out there with one of the Omnics, these kind of robots from the Overwatch universe. Um, didn't play a lot of Overwatch, but I did play a ton of World of Warcraft. So when I see Blizzard, I typically um, will pull or be more interested than other things. Uh, it was a cool read. Um, the vinyl cover should have tipped me off. I wish I was playing some lo-fi hip-hop or beats while I was listening to this because, or, or while I was reading it because 
Uh, there were some slice of life kind of moments that the style of music's perfect for, just with them talking about records or kind of going home and um, dealing with what to do next now that Overwatch is over. Um, uh, but she, she got busy quickly and got kind of embroiled in an omnic um, plot. I don't know if I'll continue to read this one beyond number one, but it is a five-issue arc. Um, uh, just focusing on that Tracer character, I think. I don't know if other characters will make an appearance there. And uh, that's the stack for me, really. I, um, I did not pick up X-Factor 5 as I was trying to cut back some of the X-Men books, but honestly, when I came to the tail end of Hellions and it showed X-Factor and New Mutants coming up in the list, I'll probably have to see uh, what I'm missing out there. Um, so I may end up uh, circling back to the shop for X-Factor and a few more covers of MODOK head games because, uh, let's be honest, that's, but that's one of the best books so far uh, in the last few weeks. I've been waiting for that MODOK book for a long time, and I can't wait for the new covers to come out uh, here down the road. That'll do it for me, guys. Uh, check out the new website, uh, afterdragons.com. Um, be patient with us here. We're getting things set up and establishing the web store. Uh, so we'll get things hosted and embedded there and rocking, uh, as well as um, planning to get the Patreon refreshed. Until then, you can find me on Twitter at afterdragons underscore. And um, yeah, let's talk about comics. Uh, tell me what you liked or what you didn't. See you guys next week for the pregame. Happy reading. <laughs>